0: But before we start the class, um, last week in the uh, brief uh, bring-in part of the class, one of our participants uh, said that there was something extremely special that she was going to share with all of us today that could never have happened without the Rebbe. And um, I'm going to see if she is here with us. She is. um, So I'm going to let her share, and we're going to dedicate the class in part to this so I want to actually dedicate the class to the Rebbe because, like you said, without the Rebbe, this would not have happened. There's That's for sure. That My granddaughter, Hannah Poulter, became a kala last night to Mendel Greenberg from Crown Heights, and his aunt, I don't know if she's on yet, uh, Miriam Lipsker is his aunt, and so I just have no words. I'm That Hashem brought us to this day no words, just thank you. We're a, a grateful beyond words. And that's it. And I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate this than to dedicate it to this fantastic class. Mazel tov, Joni, and you and your husband, Larichas Yana, Nesham Teyvish, continue to have simchas with happy hearts and in good health. And everyone, all of us together, only simchas fe'lachaheit, um, gezuntaheit, and that's, that's a fantastic, fantastic simpler. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, also dedicating our class, the four Shlema of if Yosef Ben Sima or, for four Shlema kreva. Um, Today's uh, class is a Rashi Sikha. And um, let's take a look at the two Rashis that the Rebbe is speaking about and uh, a few of the psukim surrounding these Rashis. So it's Parshis right? And um, we're looking at Shishi, the sixth part of the Parsha, and specifically Perak Pasuk Khoth. And um, Pasuk Chaf, which is the first, so again, it's 19, and the chapter is 19, the verse is 20. So in Perak Yutesh, Pasuk Khoth, uh, it's, it reads: By Hashem Har el Hashem descended on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. By Hashem le el Hashem called to Moshe to come up to the top of the mountain, and Moshe went up. And then we have Pasuk um, Aleph, Chaf Gimel, where Hashem uh, warns Moshe that he must warn the Jewish people uh, that they must not approach. That they must put a boundary. Those are the seminal words, uh, the last few words in Pasukhav Gimel 23. Set a boundary around the mountain and sanctify it. Now, if you look at Rashi Chav, Rashi says on the words by Yerid Hashem Halar Sinai, you might assume Yaret Olav Mamash that Hashem literally descended on the mountain. Talmud the Torah, therefore states, for I spoke with you from the heavens. And we're going to look at that Pasuk in a moment. The, Torah teach, the, the Rashi says these two statements taken together teach us that Hashem lowered the upper and lower heavens, the Hitzion al-gabe and he spread the heavens over the mountain, like a bed spread over a bed. And then on top of that, and the heavenly throne descended upon the mountains that were spread over the mountains, like a spread would be spread over a bed. That's one Rashi. Then in Pasuk Chav, I'm sorry, Peret Chav, chapter 20. We go to verse nineteen, pasuk Yotef. and this is after the asheres hadibris are given, and after the Torah describes um, what the sights were. So look for a moment in parakhaf pasuk tesvav, and in that pasuk we read v'chal ha'am royim Veskal All the people saw the sounds, the flames, the sound of the sho- of the, sho- of the sho- there's a hor ashay and the mountain emitting smoke okay so that describes what they saw and then in pasuk your test by yeme hashamo mayashamset mayash kai thermal benyis roll this is what you must say to benyis roll atem reesem you have seen kimin ashamayim divarti imachem that i have spoken to you from heaven, and uh, look at Rashi. Keminah shemayim Rashi says, "But another verse says the verse we just did a moment ago, Yerid Hashem al Har Sinai that Hashem descended upon Mount Sinai.' So which is it? Is it that Hashem came down on Mount Sinai, or is it that Hashem spoke from the heavens? hashlishi. So a third pasuk comes, the Echria Nahem. And reconciles what seems to be a contradiction. And that third verse is in Devarim, from the heavens he made you hear his voice, in order to reprimand you, in order to um, give you muster. And upon the earth he showed you as his great fire. This means that his glory is in the heavens, but his fire and power are upon the earth. Further, Rashi says, "Davar an alternate explanation. Here, "Kid Shemayim," Hashem lowered the heavens and the heaven of the heavens, and He spread them over the mountains. and similarly, it is written, he spread out the heavens and he descended. Uh, so those are the Rashis we're going to be looking at. And now we're going to go into Rashi Yisray Dalit Aleph. Allah by Hashem Al And the verse saying that Hashem came down on Mount Sinai. Here is Rashi, as we just read, Rashi comments, Yachol You might think that Hashem actually. Him down upon the mountain, Talmud Leimar. The Torah teaches us that there is another pasuk. Um, in, in, in the next parak, in, in a pasuk, it says, "And I spoke to you from the heavens, and melamed." So this teaches us, and um, and the habit doesn't give us all the words, but we just did it. That Hashem um, folded or, uh, or 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 bended. Uh, or lowered uh the mountains, that the, the heavens, sorry, the upper and the lower heavens, and spread them out on the mountain like a bedspread. And then on top of that was the have covered, the celestial throne. And that is how Hashem appeared. Okay. So that's the Rashi, Uba Pashra Srabb said. And simply speaking, near it would appear the Kavanas Rashi the Yashiv is a Ben of the Rashi's intention is simply to reconcile what seems to be a contradiction. Ha, In our Pasuk, Perek, your test, Pasuk it says, Hashem came down on our Sinai. So we take that at face value, it means that Hashem came down. And in the next Perek, Boimer, Kimin Hashem dibarti Hashem says, I spoke to you from the heavens, Valzem, so Rashi comes to reconcile, and he says, well, it was a combination. But the Rebbe says, although this would appear to be what Rashi's trying to do here, for very for two very simple reasons, you really can't say this. Because if this was really Rashi's um, intention, there are two things that are glaring, uh, glaringly uh, not, <laughs> There, you know, there, there's two questions. Why does Rashi start with saying you might think that it actually means that Hashem came down, when we know that Rashi is <clears throat> stylistically he is extremely careful with his words, he's extremely parsimonious with every word. So why not, why does the Rashi get straight to the point and begin with his question, which is because of that there's another verse that says that Hashem spoke from the heavens. But that's not really the main problem. The main problem, the Ikar is, The contradiction between these two psukim only arises this, at the second puzzle, in next, in next era, when it says, Kimina Shemaim, they spoke to you from the heavens. In other words, the Ben the mikra has no stira here. There's, there, there's no contradiction here. Cain, Lama, la Rashi Zub, but done. So why does Rashi feel compelled to reconcile this uh, contradiction that hasn't actually arisen yet at this junction when he could do so in the next era? and especially that on that very Pasuk where the uh, contradiction arises, in fact, Rashi addresses this seeming contradiction and he says, we have this Pasuk and we have that Pasuk, and he gives us the reconciliation in the form of a third Pasuk from the Eschan. And therefore, based on this, on these questions, especially the second, we're forced to say, that although at first blush, this is what it seems Rashi is doing, Rashi's commentary on this Pasuk, in Perak Yotas, Pasuk Huf, is not a commentary on the seeming contradiction. But rather, in this very Pasuk, before you go to the next paragraph and you learn that other pasuk, the reason Rashi addresses it here and the reason Rashi addresses it by beginning with the question, do you think that it really means, can you think that he actually came down is because there is something about this pasuk that arouses a suffix, a doubt if God if Hashem actually came down on the mountain or not. The cave on and because from this pasuk itself, which which um makes the doubt arise, we cannot we, we, we can't answer that doubt. We don't have a we don't have a resolution. Therefore, Rashi brings a proof from a pasuk that will only appear in the next parath. He brings that pasuk that appears in the next parak. And so what we really need to understand first is: we're in our first pasuk in Yisray 1920. Where is the basis of the doubt that Hashem came down? If the pasuk says by Yeret Hashem alhar Sinai, I mean, we're not talking about the global uh, question that can only be understood through anthropomorphism. But obviously, Hashem doesn't have any physical properties. And what does that mean? Hashem came down when Hashem not only fills all and surrounds all, but is all and everything else exists within Hashem. So we're, we're, not, we're not looking at that, that larger philosophical question. We're just looking like a Benchamesh would learn it, that somehow Hashem's presence came down. So what about this Hasuk causes Rashi to say that there's a doubt as to how we should understand these words and forces him to look further and reconcile? Them? So in Beis the Rebbe continues, Habir the explanation is, that le'il that before this pasuk in Yutcheschaf Ne'emar, it says, Bahar Sinai Ashan Kulay Mipnei Asher Yared Olav Hashem Va'ish." So, if you want to take a look, it's in our parak parak Yutches earlier Yutches. Again, Bahar Sinai Ashan Kuloi, the entire Mount Sinai was enveloped with smoke. For Hashem had descended upon it in fire; its smoke rose like the smoke of a furnace. And then it says, "And the entire mountain trembled." That's the puzzle. So, I this means the Har Sinai had smoke rising from it. But that is it. Avaloi, but not Chehahor, the Hanimsa Allah, but the mountain and anything found on the mountain, Bo'ar, was actually on fire. Okay. So, what we learn from the Pasuk is that there's smoke billowing upward as if there was some kind of furnace, but it doesn't seem that the mountain itself is on fire. It would see if the fire was caused by Hashem's presence actually coming down, then it would seem that the mountain itself should have been a flame, and specifically the vegetation that was found on the mountain like we find specifically earlier in the Chumash, If you take a look in Shemai's in Paragimel, of this is when uh, Hashem appears to Meishe in the Sna, in the burning bush. So we 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 know what a bush look looks like when it's aflame, when it's burning. Or the pastures, Lloyhaya Zehasnah, so we know that there was vegetation on Mount Sinai because that is where the bush was, that from which Hashem appeared to Misha. Now, the Pashtos, it would seem simply that if there's one bush there, there's more than one bush there. There's additional vegetation. So there should have been stuff burning. And the Rebbe says, You might say, that the fact that the mountain itself was not a flame, that it itself was not burning, but rather that there was smoke rising, was a miracle. Avol, however, the shema yes and and But the rebbe says over and over and over and over, according to the gemara, that Hashem doesn't make a nest just for no reason. So, what would be the reason for that nest? We already have. Um, a, you know, a, a, a precedent for something burning and not being consumed, and that was the snap. So why can't it be the same thing here? That the mountain would be aflame, that the mountain would be burning, but it wouldn't be consumed. <speaking in Spanish> so therefore, it is more logical to understand this. <speaking in Spanish> that what happened there, a lot, a lot of other nisim, but this wasn't a nest. What happened there was natural because the fire of Hashem did not actually descend but it remained hovering above the mountain therefore the mountain was not ablaze but there was a lot of smoke billowing up the smoke was coming from the fact that the fire was very close to the mountain and uh, anybody who has ever gotten a burn from just lifting the cover of a pot that's boiling on the fire uh, will know this, that it is the nature of fire. <inaudible> that when the fire is close enough to whatever it is, <inaudible> to whatever it is, <inaudible> so you could actually get burned if you put a fire close enough, not even on the fire, put it close enough, you'll watch the fire, the, the paper, the paper towel, whatever it is a towel, uh, burn, and they could be spoke. So because of this, because of this doubt that Hashem actually came down, because we don't hear that the mountain was ablaze, the lachen kasev rashi kan altar. therefore Rashi rushes immediately to answer this question, yachal yarad mamash, when it says, b'yared Hashem al har since the mountain is not ablaze, Rashi questions, can it actually be that Hashem came out, came down completely? from the psukim that's around this Mamash, there arises doubt if Hashem actually came down or not. Okay, so it would seem that Hashem did not come down. If Hashem had come down, mamash, the mountain would be ablaze. Says, so now the says, and now we're going to accept this. Then we have to understand the other way. Why is it still only a doubt? Why does this not once and for all resolve it? Hashem did not come down completely. End of discussion. But Rashi doesn't say that. Rashi says it just, it just arises a doubt. And, and the only way that Rashi can resolve this is by taking the Pasuk further on, which is, which means, alav Mamash, which means that Hashem did not actually calm down. Shah, yudu, kram, in a Pasuk, b'har, tinei, kulei. So why do we need the proof from Perek Chav Pasuk Yutches if we already have the proof in Perek Yudches, where it says that there's only smoke and the mountain is not a blade. So that's where we are now. Gimel. The hem shech divrei Rashi. What else does Rashi say in our first Rashi? Melamed, we learn. Shehir kin shamayim he'ol yonim v'tachtaynim. That Hashem bent down the heavens, the upper heavens and the lower heavens. B'tiyon al gabayachor. And he spread them out over the mountain. Himatza al hamita. Like a bed spread over a bed. Vayarat. And he lowered his celestial throne upon the mountains, which were upon the heavens, which were spread out like a bedspread upon the mountain. The source of this of this commentary is found in the Mechilta. The Rebbe says, as has been explained many times. It is Rashi's style, it is Rashi's MO to only incorporate Midrashim into his Perush if it is directly relevant to the Pshat. And especially in this case, she rashi mitzayin rashi does not cite as he does in many other places certainly not all places but in many many other places rashi is mitzayin rashi cites the source of his commentary but here he doesn't this proves this proves so when Rashi does this, this underscores that Rashi extracted this parish and all of its details. He sees this in the pshat of the mitnum. And if that is so, the Rebbe has questions. We have to We have to understand. In order to resolve the seeming contradiction between one pasuk that says Hashem came down on the mountain, and the other Pasuk that says, From the heavens, I spoke to you. It would seem that all he has to do is say that these two Psukkim teach us when you take them together, they teach us that Hashem folded the heavens. On top of the mountain and he came down upon the heaven. So, okay, so we have a way of resolving this, very like um, you know, the kids are um, not using too many words, elegantly, but Rashi doesn't do that. So, from where does Rashi find it? In the Pshutay Shalmikra. Asha Aleph, here can shamayim Hel Why does he feel compelled to add? Not just that the mountains were lowered or folded, but that it was the upper mountain. I'm sorry, I keep saying mountains instead of heavens. I'm sorry. Why does he feel compelled to say that the heavens were folded or brought down or bent down? But he doesn't leave it at that. He says the upper heavens and the lower heavens. Bez, Baba, not only that, he says shahirkin. He doesn't only say shahirkin that they were brought down or folded or bent down. Elishagam, the Hitzeon, that Hashem, Spread them out. Why does he feel compelled to say that? And then the Zed Bufa, and then if, if he's going to talk about how Hashem spread the, the um, heavens, then he uses more words, ke matza al hamita, like a bed spread on a bed. And not only that, but afterwards, by Hashem, he doesn't say by Yered, Hashem, Hashem came down, which would be a reflection of what it says in the pasuk, but rather ela ha celestial throne on top of the mountains uh, on top of the heavens that were that were bent down that were that were that were brought down and spread out like a bedspread on top of the mountain like really why are all these details necessary okay there's one more question and uh and then a few more questions and then the resolution Now. On top of these specifics, the four specifics that the Rebbe has just delineated on this Rashi, let's just review. That Rashi doesn't just suffice to say Shemayim, but he says, not only that, but he says that they were spread out. Not only that, but in case you don't know what spreading is, it's like a bed spread on a bed and then the Kisiyah covenant. So on top of all of these diyukim, now we need to analyze, we need to compare and contrast Rashi on this Pasuk and Rashi on Peret Chav Pasuk Yotes. That Pasuk is I spoke to you from the heavens. What does Rashi say there? Hashem Piresh, Rashi over there says, because of Echar Aimebayar Hashem al Sinai, We have our Pasuk Rashi says in Parakhav, Pasuk Yotessa says Hashem spoke from the heavens. We have another pasuk in the previous Parak that says Hashem came down on Harsinai. We have a third Pasuk in Devarim the Kriya Bay and resolves this contradiction, which says. From the heavens, he let you hear his voice, the yasrecha to discipline you. And on the earth, he let be seen his fire, his great fire, his glory. So his his, his great fire, his glory is in heaven. And his fire and his strength is upon the earth. That's one thing that Rashi says. And Davar Acher, a second, is an abbreviated version of what he did in our first Rashi. Here can Shemayim, Hashem bent down the heaven, Shamayim, and the heavens of the heavens, and he spread them out on the mountain, and like we have a Pasuket Tehillim, Vayit Shemayim Vayevet. He bent the heavens and he came down. The rabbi says, this is a wonder. This makes us question. The pasuk didan in the first, in our first pasuk, that is in pericutes, pasuk khaf, rashi, rak a perush, He only brings one perush, which is about the bending and the spreading of the heavens upon the mountain. But in the second instance, where it seems to be discussing the same thing, but from a different perspective, when Hashem spoke to them from the heavens. He brings another peiros, which is a third pasuk from Devarim, the ilu. And on top of that, the one perush that he gives us here, which is about the mount, the heavens being bent, or uh, lowered and spread, only appears in the second instance in the next paragraph as the second explanation, which we know the Rebbe taught us over and over and over. The Hainu, this means, if it comes as the second parish, it's not the main parish, it's not this first parish, it's not the main parish point. So that's one thing that we're puzzling over we also have to understand it's one thing we could we could be okay with the fact that rashi leaves out certain details in that second rashi He leaves out the details that the, the heavens were spread out like a bed spread on a bed and that Hashem came down at, yeah, on a celestial throne, which he wrote here. Yesh Levar, we could easily explain this away. And he's relying on this previous Rashi. He's already filled a lot of ink in this first Rashi, and he's relying on the Benchamesh Lomikra to remember the details. And over here in Perakhof, Hof. He's only breaking the most general idea. That's fine. The Rebbe says, but there's two things we have to understand. One is the differences that Rashi um, makes in his peerage between this Rashi and the second. And we especially have to pay attention to what he adds there that we didn't have here. Khan um, here meaning in Pasuk Shamayim Hel He used the expression the upper and lower heavens. This Sham, but in the second instance in Perakhov Pasuk he used the expression Shamayim Ushmei HaShamayim, the heavens and the heavens of the heaven. What is the difference? Base. Sham over there, meaning in the second instance, he adds, he bolsters what he is saying with an additional pasuk. And he brings the pasuk from Tehillim that says a kind of similar thing that Hashem bent the heavens and he came down. It would seem if the explanation that Hashem bends the heavens and comes down, if the whole concept that Hashem is going to bend heavens and come down needs to be sourced in a precedent or needs proof somewhere else, Rashi should have brought this passage from Tehillim in the first instance. Why would he put it in the second? And once we reconcile ourselves with understanding that it makes sense that Rashi should just bring the most general idea without any details in the second instance, then why does he include one of the details, which is the Hashem spread the heavens over the mountain? It's enough that he says, that Hashem bent the heavens. Why does he have to say he spread the heavens? and especially especially because he's bolstering what he is bringing with that from Tehillim. And Tehillim, it says, which means he he bowed, he he bent. Doesn't mean he spread. So the Rebbe has questions on the differences between the two Rashi, And oh, in, in, in the fifth part of Tzichah, wow. uh, he reconciled those Rashi's. And the explanation for all of them. I think if you haven't heard from Eli, you should, you should call the other architect. We'll tell you. The differences between the two commentaries of Rashi the Rebbe says the only way to understand the differences is to zoom out and to look at the context of what's going on in paragua and what's going on in Perkov. The, um, the continuum of psukim that follow the Pasuk that we stopped on, which is Pasuk Chof, is a description of how Hashem came down on the mountain in a revealed way for all to see. That's the context in Perak How do we know this? because if you look at the you see how much emphasis there is on the mountain itself becoming sanctified and because the mountain became holy be very very careful for approaching the mountain you shouldn't even touch it with your hand the nation could not go on top of the mountain and then the Torah tells you must put um, boundaries um, around the mountain and you must sanctify it. It is a lot of emphasis on how the mountain itself becomes kind of radioactive area and it cannot be approached. So it's really all about how Hashem's Shechina, Hashem's presence saturates the mountain. The lachain, and therefore. And therefore, Rashi felt compelled, even though there is not yet a contradiction between this pasuk and the pasuk in Parakaf. That's not what drives Rashi. The contradiction is not what drives Rashi. Rashi feels compelled to explain a contradiction in that in in the context itself, which is on one hand it seems that by Yeridah love mamosh. Why does it seem that way? Because there's so much emphasis on the mountain itself becoming sanctified. On the other hand, we have a pasuk. At the same time, we have a pasuk that tells us that the mountain is smoking like a furnace, but not burning. The mountain itself is not ablaze. That is the contradiction that Rashi is addressing. Because if you just look at all the Pesukum coming after Pesuk it seems like Hashem actually came down. And therefore, that earlier pasuk Yud that talks about the smoking, inserts a doubt. The default would be that, yes, that should be taken literally, because of everything that follows and all the psukhiyah. But because earlier it says that it was only smoking and it wasn't ablaze, this creates a doubt. It inserts a doubt in Yarat Olov Mamish. If Hashem actually came down, Masha but a contradistinction, Parshas when the Torah says you saw that I spoke to you from the heavens, that whole group of psukim, that that grouping that parshaadish it comes to underscore exactly the opposite how Hashem is higher is exalted and far from birth the iti and therefore if you still have your khumish take a look at perak khaf and immediately after Hashem says, I spoke to you from the heavens, 2020, Hashem says, Do not make an image of anything that is with me. In other words, I am aloof. I am transcendent. I am far from you. And don't even think that. Of concretizing me in any way, and 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 the Rebbe underscores the words Hamashamshim Don't try to make replicas, concrete replicas of the sun, the moon. These are all my servants. They all serve me in the heavens on high. The Lachaim, and therefore, in the second Rashi in Perakha, HaPerish the first explanation that Rashi brings and the main explanation that Rashi brings Sham over there Mikra which is Mikra for that context he brings pasuk from devarim which explains that his glory is in heaven and it's only his fire and his strength that is revealed on earth why? Because through this puzzle is underscored Hashem's exaltedness, Hashem's distance, Hashem's aloofness from the earth, from the world. That Hashem's glory did not come down but remains in heaven. Masha in contrast, that's why he puts it second when he brings an abbreviated version of what he does in your test that Hashem um, lowered and folded the heavens. From this, you would not understand that it's underscored that, that Hashem is primarily in the heavens. That he spoke to them from a place that is very high and very far, Shamayim. Why? Because that second part of Rashi, Adaraba, on the contrary, underscores Hashamayim that the heavens came down. So, um, just to, to summarize, in the first paragraph, has the context beckons and 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 uh, forces rashi to underscore the way in which Hashem is up close and personal. Whereas in Harak Haf, the larger context leads Rashi to underscore the way in which Hashem is transcendent and aloof from the world. But, but in Perak Rashi uses a specific term to refer to the heavens, and he calls them the upper and the lower heavens. in the second instance, in Perak Chav, he uses the term, that Hashem lowered the heavens and the heavens of the heavens. Why does he do this? Because again, he's trying to paint a picture. He's he's using terminology that is evocative and that is pregnant with meaning. Kavonas perish Rashi con in perek your intention is he levar as toychen a parasha shahu you read as the kaddish baruch hu Here it's all about how Hashem came down. Avol ba'eif she ain't bestira el kimin The only thing he has to explain is that it's not a contradiction to what it says in the next parak that Hashem's voice was heard from the heavens. And it's also not a contradiction to the Apostle where it says, that the mountain is smoking, but is not ablaze. But from, this, from these psukim, we find two things that it was God himself, not some messenger. And second, that Hashem did lower himself on to Har Sinai. You can't say that Hashem just lowered one aspect, one firmament. And if you ask me what firmament means, I must admit, I don't understand, but it is a word that's used in English to explain the different, I guess, levels, the strata of the heavens. So the Rebbe says it doesn't fit to just think that the, the Torah tells us by Al Har Sinai, and this is Hashem Himself who came down. That is only one aspect of the heavens. The only thing that's between Hashem and Har is one firmament, one aspect of the heavens. No, not it's not possible. In other words, it's not that Hashem was separated from the mountain by some, again, none of these terms really apply. But it wasn't just like uh, thin separation. It wasn't saran wrap that separated Hashem from the mountain. It was, it was, you know, a few layers. The cave and because the larger context is about Hashem going down, he doesn't cite terminology from the Chumash and Pasha's Akeb, which says the heavens and the heavens of the heaven. But rather, he he uses. Terminology that is more aligned with descent. And so therefore, he uses is already evocative of descent. Lower heavens already makes your mind go in that direction. Masha Enkei Sham, in contradistinction in Perek Haaf, Kavanis Rashi Levaris Hat Basha Kimina shamayim But in the second Rashi, in the later Perek, Rashi's focus. He underscores how Hashem is in heaven. Yes, he's in heaven, but it doesn't contradict what it says that he came down on Mount Sinai. That's why he has to bring down that detail that Hashem spread out, that that he, I'm sorry, that he lowered and also that he spread out and this mitigates the um, the idea of Hashem being in the heavens, because Rashi brings down that he bent, he lowered the heavens, and he brought them down, and he even spread them out. At the same time, Rashi doesn't use terminology, like he did earlier, that evokes dissent, but rather terminology that evokes Distance, transcendence, aloofness, shamayim ushmea shamayim, the heavens and the heavens of the heavens. So this um enlarges this this underscores the remaimus hamakim, the exaltedness of where Hashem is, Shemimenu di baruchu. That where Hashem spoke. So in other words, Shamayim Al-Yainim Vatahinim evokes descent. And it mitigates the distance between Hashem and this world. And in the second Rashi, where Rashi wants to underscore that Hashem is removed, he uses terminology that underscores this remove, underscores this distance, this transcendence, and he uses (laughs) Shemayim, Ushmei HaShemayim. Shehoyah me'al gabi Shemayi HaShemayim. And Hashem spoke from on top of the heavens of the heavens, but still as the heavens were found on the map. Zai. Because in our first instance, that is in Parak Yotas Pasakhov, the context, the continuum of the Psukim again, underscores descent. It underscores how Hashem's presence um, caused the mountain to be completely transformed. It became sanctified, and they had to set up a whole system of protocols so people would not touch the mountain, come too close to the mountain. So to describe this, it's not enough for Rashi just to say, that Hashem brought down the heavens. Not enough. Because that would only, generally speaking, describe Hashem's descent. But it would not describe the type of descent, the degree of descent. So simply to say, here, kin that Hashem bent or bowed or brought down the heavens would not suffice to explain the degree of descent to the point where the mountain itself becomes transformed by the holiness. And therefore, Rashi is compelled to say, and Hashem spread the mountains on top, uh, sorry, the heavens on top of the mountain. And what does he teach with that? What's the here? we here? Rashi could have said that Hashem brought the heavens down, but they still could have been at a distance of a few billion miles from the mountain. Therefore, Rashi feels compelled to say that Hashem spread the heavens atop the mountain. And even if he said that he spread them on top of the mountain, there could still be distance between the heavens and the mountain. Therefore, he says, like a bedspread on a bed. And a bedspread is never considered independent from the bed. I mean, like, you know, when you're going to list your items for an estate sale, you're not going to list like bet spread. You're going to put the bet spread on the bed and you list the bet. V'chein hu What Rashi wants to underscore here is that hashamayim, that the heavens, nifra minahar. Not only were the heavens bent or bowed down or brought down, not only were they lowered, not only did they hover over the mountain, Not only were they spread over the mountain, but they were spread over the mountain like a best spread, which means that they did not remain separate from the mountain. They became the spread over the mountain. And that explains why the Kedusha of the Shekhinah saturated the mountain itself. Mashe'im ke'im v'pasuk kimina shumayim, but in, in perech chav, pasuk yutesh, when it says, kimina shumayim, I spoke to you from the heavens. Fahad goshe boi hi shakash barakun di v'min ha-shumayim v'loi min ha-aret. And here, the emphasis is on the fact that Hashem spoke from the heavens and not from earth. loi ha-ya-rashi, yocha loi ma-shum pasuk zeh boi lahat vish v'yitiyan kemats Here, it does not jive. It's not appropriate for Rashi to describe Hashem's presence and them uh, atop the heavens and the heavens spread out like a best spread on top of the mountain. Because this would only underscore the opposite of what the psukim are looking to describe in the further parak, which is that the over here the, the, the description is telling us that the heavens were nullified or were abnegated. To the mountain, just as a bedspread becomes a part of the bed, whereas in Parakhov, the emphasis is on the opposite. On the other hand, mm-hmm. Rashi still felt compelled in Pasuk Yotes Parakhov to add that the mountains were spread out. Why? was if he would just have said that Hashem lowered the heavens, that would not be enough to resolve the contradiction of the previous pasuk, where it says that Hashem came down on the mountain. Which includes that Hashem's holiness, the Shechina, was on the mountain itself. Therefore, Rashi is compelled to add that the heavens were spread out in the second Rashi as well. With this, he's saying, But the heavens did not remain above Harsinai, He spread them on the mountain. But note, not like a vessel. And now the Chabab ties up another knot and he explains why in that second instance, but not in the first, Rashi feels compelled to bring a citation from Tehillim, that Hashem bowed or bent down the heavens and she came down. The proof that he brings down from this passage is, because in this Pasuk, the only thing that is emphasized is the way Hashem bowed or bent the heaven. But that's all. And the reason why it fits in that Rashi, not in the first Rashi, is again, because in that second instance, in Parakhav, where it says Kimina Hashemayim from the heavens," Sukim elu enam midabrim al yerida kematza al hamita, because in the second parak in Parakhav, the larger context is not painting a picture of Hashem's chena coming down mamash like a bed spread on top of a bed, which means "Sheaz Hashemayim betele mitziosam." Which, which implies that the heavens kind of abnegate their own existence. matza because they become a bedspread, they become chelik, they become a part Minahar of the mountain of the lower realm. Rashi stops short of that there and just says he'd see them. He spread them out.. Spreading it out is just the next step of lowering them. The athub in Vayet. And the word vayet can mean both he lowered and he spread out. I vahairm adlahar that Hashem um, lowered and brought down the heavens until the mountain, but not more than that. And although they were lowered, they remained to heaven. Essentially, Bim So, what Rashi does in that second instance is explain the word Shamayim, explain the word that paints the picture of Hashem's distance and Hashem's um, being aloof and transcendent. And so, here again, we have a binary. And Chassidus speaks a lot about this, the different ways in which Hashem is up close and personal and the ways in which Hashem is transcendent and aloof and we cannot ever um, reach. And every time we make a simple bracha on water, there's no such thing as a simple bracha, but every time you say baruch ata, Hashem elekeinu melech ha'ilem, you speak into this binary. Baruch ata, blessed are you. That's like up close and personal. That's the mamalik and the way Hashem fills all this world. And then there's the way Hashem transcends all the worlds. <laughs> Ches, based on all that we've said above, the Kabbalist Rashi Khan, Khan means in the first instance in Perak Yotes, Levaris, Protei, Verifani, hayevita. So in the first Rashi, Rashi is looking to explain the details and the modalities that are inherent in Hashem's descent, al-Harsinai. Move on, Rashi by Now we're in a position to understand that last detail. Why Rashi throws in that Hashem lowered His celestial throne on top of the heavens that was spread out on top of the mountain like a bed spread on top of a bed. Why? Because Because when we learn about the story of B'Tis Mitzrayim, it says Vavarti I will pass through the land of Egypt. We learn, and as we say in the Haggadah, we underscore that it was Hashem Himself, Malach, Saraf. It was Hashem Himself who came down to Mitzrayim, and then he smote every firstborn, etc. And still in all, even as it's underscored that Hashem Himself came down. We don't find smoke billowing up from Mitzrayim like we find here when it says that Hashem lowered himself on harsinai And so in order to explain the difference between what happened in Har Sinai and what happened when Hashem came down to Mitzrayim, M'dayik Rashi Rashi is um, careful to add that Hashem came down as kisei akavu. What does this add? The kisei, a chair, moira al krios kviyot ve gadlos ubefrat ha-kavoy u Because talking about a chair, a throne, adds two dimensions. One is kviyot, that this is not something that was temporary. That this, that this wasn't extremely transient and ephemeral. It was cleared. It was it was something that Hashem established. He, he was there for a while. You know, when you walk into a room for a little while, you don't need a chair. If you're gonna be there for a few hours, you need a chair. And the other thing is that a throne always evokes the image of melucha, of, of a monarchy, Dainu. This means, it means that Hashem um, installed himself on top of Harsinai, not in a very ephemeral way, but, but in, in a way of his to settle. And also in a way that showcased his honor and his glory. And therefore, because Hashem came down in a way of His Yahshu, because He came down for not just a hot second, and because He came down in a way of His glory, therefore it caused all the other things that we learn, how the mountain became holy and and uh, and how the Jews have to be so careful, etc. So now the Rebbe has answered all the questions that he raised. And now in this last part of the Sikha, he brings us a little bit into the terrain of Kabbalah. Mina in mufla'im. In in some of the Rashi Sichas, the Rebbe says that there are in Yanim wondrous aspects that are found in Rashi. Al derech haremes Rashi. That are um, of the four ways of understanding the Torah. These are in Yanim that are found in remes and that which is only alluded to and the Soid, the esoteric, the secret. The Rebbe points out like this. hanal, the above stated difference that we have explained a great length, that was taught us at great length, the fact that in Perek Yotes, we're talking about Hashem's imminence and in Perek Chav, we're talking about Hashem's transcendence and this is reflected in Rashi's Perush are you hearing a lot of noise I, I apologize there's some kind of construction going on luckily just started now are you not hearing it? Excellent okay if I scream, <laughs> it's because I'm trying to hear myself. I apologize. Okay. So in Perak here it talks about how Hashem came down, his imminence. But of course, we still have to be talking about Shemayim. Hashem didn't come down in a way where it's like, not upon the heavens. Which is why the heavens have to come that's he, that's imperic you test. This shamper khaf had gasha he kimin has shamayim dibarti mochem there. The 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 emphasis is on Hashem's transcendence that he spoke to us from heaven, la myla mina aret higher from the earth, ella sha shamayim hayub mathir. But again, both in both places they have to they have to nod towards the other towards the other aspect of the binary. So in the second, the heavens. Were lowered. Merumas bekach. So in this is is hinted, is alluded. Chapozed by Yehud shemal Har Sinai. Okay. So you ready for this? So the pasuk that says Hashem came down in Har Sinai, who be capital utes pasukov. That is found in chapter nineteen, verse twenty. Vahaposuk kimena Hashemayim. And the pasuk that says that Hashem is in the heavens and from the heavens you heard him is found in kapitel Chav pasuk your test. Now in Ha'ara 40, in footnote 40, the Rebbe says, I'm not oblivious to the whole controversy about how the chapters were divided and um, that they don't necessarily come from a Jewish source. The, 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 the chapter divisions and so on and so forth. But the Rebbe says, but because this became the way Jews learned Torah and it was publicized and disseminated and it's so many generations and Minah Yisrael Torah, and what Jews do, how they comport themselves, what their custom is becomes part of Torah. And the Rambam actually speaks about this and he talks about Min of B'nai Yisrael, and their, not only their efficacy, but their absolute potency. So, therefore, the Rebbe says, there is something very specific to learn from the juxtaposition of these two ideas and exactly which psukim we learn them from in the Torah. What do we learn? So, al-piqa bala yutesh, the so number 19, hu kedi'isa b'sfarim, as it's written in Manisfarim, it's the gematria Shel Milui Shem Havaya Shem Ma. Okay, so let's explain. Um, so we know that there are multiple names of Hashem, and we know that the Shem Havaya Yutke Vavke is the Shem Hamafresh, etc., etc. now Alpi this name comes to teach or embodies various energies, depending on the milui. So what's a milui? So we all know that every word has a gematria. That's numerical value. The gematria of Shem Havaya, famously, is 26. Milui means the gematria of the word when you spell out each letter. So you would take yud, and yud becomes 20 because you have the yud, the vav, and the dal. He becomes 10 because you have he and he. However, there are different ways in which you could spell each one of these letters. And depending on how you spell, spell out the miloy of each letter, you're going to come to different gematrias. So in shame havaya, you have shame ma, shame ban. So you have the way the gematria is 45. You have the way the gematria is 52, that's shame Ban. You have the way the gematria is going to add up to Sag, 63. And you have the way the gematria of Shemavai is going to add up to Ab, Ayin in 72. Here, the Rebbe is talking about the shame Ma, 45. So he says that when you subtract 26, which is the default gematria of the Shemavai, from Ma, which is one of the miluiim, the milui that he's talking about now, you get 90. And what does milui speak to in general? What's the Indian of milui? Milui is all about how you actually articulate each letter. Articulation is about gilui ha revealing what is hidden and when you talk about the Kabbalistic expressions or emanations of Hashem, Malthus Malchus is all about gilui Malchus is all about revelation of what is hidden. Hashem's presence. So yutes is malchus. Rashi and chav is the first letter of kesef. And what is kesef? Kesser is always about that which transcends, just like the crown itself transcends the head. It hovers above the person. So again, Yutes is about Malchus. It's about revelation. It's about imminence. Chaf is about Kesser. It's about the abstruse. It's about the transcendent. It's higher than Sefer Shalshlus, higher than the causal chain of descent. Rebbe says, We have very, you know, basic idea in Hasidus and Kabbalah that all the spheres are interconnected, and each sphere is comprised of all the other spheres. Harisha Yeshna bechinas So in Kesar, you have the malchus shebekes the highest that the Kesser, that level that is higher than all the other worlds, but how does it express itself in a modality of revelation? This is through Malchus. And on the other hand, and also in Malchus, which is about imminence and, and revelation. But in, in Malthus, you have that which is hidden. You have the transcendent aspect, the kesus, that's a Malthus. I know, Shebe Meaning that in Alma in the world, in the realm of Revelation, Miskala, there is a way where there is revealed the hidden part, the transcendent part, the Kessel. And now we're in a position to understand on a much deeper level the difference between these two psukim. And because of the difference between the psukim, that's why the difference in the Rashi. Kapitol Yotes Pasukhov. So when you're talking about Perek Yotes, the Perek of Revelation, the Perek of Malchus, but within Malchus Pasukhov, Keser, Teboyachov, who prat me Yotes, that means that Keser in this case is a detail in your tests okay so transcendence is a detail in imminence this is Kesa malchus. this is the aspect of malchus that remains transcendent who so, you read that malchus. so that's why the energy of that parak, the the content of that parak, the general Vibe, I guess we would say today, of parak yutes is mouthful, is about revealed expression. Ella Rashi, but Rashi, which also has an it yena shelter, the wine, the deepest part of Tairah, But he reveals for us that even in this descent, in this herak that is saturated with the idea of Hashem descending. My what is also included in this descent? Here shamayim. There's the level of transcendence, there's the shamayim, which is which is a nod to machus, the transcendent aspect of immanence of the ilu kapital But when it comes to the next paragraph, you have the opposite dynamic. In this instance, the idea of malchus yutes is only a detail in the overwhelming energy of chaf, which is keser. So myra a malchus So and therefore, in the most general sense, the energy of that perek is min hashamayim. It's all about from the heaven. It's all about transcendence. It's all about how Hashem is exalted above this world. A whole idea of keser. And here too, Rashi reveals for us that we're not talking about a level of keser that is for itself and completely obfuscated. But rather, Hashem lowered the heavens and we're talking about mouthship. We're talking about a revealed aspect of it. Yud. This also illuminates the deeper explanation. Shaberushay ala Pasud Bayerit. That when Rashi comments on the Pasud Bayer Shemalahar, Pasa Rashi Kimatsa al Rashi uses the terminology like a bedspread on the bed but in pas imperakhaf on the words "kimena kimnishamayam he he delete he um he doesn't include that they achash kesher shabmalchos because when you're talking about kesher shabmalchos that kesher is an aspect of malchos shenyana you read lamata which is all about descent. as igam the kesher shab when you're talking about Malchus, even the most exalted point of Malchus, even the most transcendent aspect of Malchus, still has a connection to the idea of descent, and not only descent, but becoming enclosed in the lower realm. Ad Chematza Alamita, like metaphorically a bed spread to a bed. Masha inking, but a contradistinction when you're talking about Malchus Masha Lamata, when you're talking about Malchus in Kesser, the way in which Kesser does illumine the lower realm. But because Kesser is essentially a level, is a light, is an energy that is higher than all the world, and therefore. Even when it illuminates the lower realm, you're talking about It's never going to be in a way where this light actually becomes enclosed in the lower realm. But rather, it remains transcendent, encompassing, aloof, hovering. It, it, it remains Shemayim. Um, so this is our Siha for today, and, um, you know, I was trying to think how, the, how does this relate to our lives, and, uh, you know, without getting very fancy, I think it's all this delicate dance, this um, yin-yang, this, this constant negotiating between shamayam and Oretz you know, on the one hand we have to be relatable and we're always looking to be mislabish our programs and even the way we, you know, the terminology we use on our flyers, we're always looking to kind of, you know, pull in what's very current and catch people's eyes and be clever about it. And on the other hand, you know, we're dealing, we are an energy that hovers ever. And uh, there's no way that you can really be mislabesh uh, who we are and what we are um, but it's kind of, again, this this delicate dance, where on one hand, we try, and, and the energy comes down, and sometimes it really looks like it's like a bedspread on the bed, like it's, you know, we're really, really uh, nailing it in, in, in how relatable and how of this world it seems, and yet we always and constantly remain in Shema'i and we remain ever aloof and above and uh, from, uh, from everything that we're dealing with. Um, so and uh, all the hamshakas that have to come from this day the have to take the fruit in front of all of us and give us so many uh, lessons from Tesbab uh, bishvat. So everything we need should grow properly, rooted firmly in roots, etc, etc. wishing everybody a good day. Unless somebody has something they want to add, thank you very much, Rifke. And again, you. more than. Can we do welcome. one more screenshot to to give to um the family. Yes, please, yes. and uh, also asking Hashem one more time for for So, if you don't mind, just undoing your video. If you don't want to, that's fine. Also, Rifke, I just want to thank you. Esther, thank you. That was a fascinating, it uh, was excellent. And I, I can't help but wonder if this was the process where the Shiddach, we were, how heaven, how what we do affects, when we do a mitzvah, we bring Kedusha into everything. I wonder if this was the process. It's just an interesting. Uh, it was, anyway, I, I very thank you so much, Rifki. Thank you, everybody, and a wonderful day. Kultur. Thank you.